What is going on, Golf Addicts? It is David with the Tour Junkies. Thank you guys for downloading this week's episode. The Zurich Classic is upon us with the brand new format. And me and Pat are going to give you our social media strategy of the week and talk about our Zurich Classic prom photos. We're also going to break down the, the action that we saw at the Valero Texas Open this past week with Kevin Chappell taking down his first PGA Tour win. We share with you some DFS basics, right? We've had a lot of people asking us about DFS terminology and all that kind of stuff. So we get into the terminology. We tell you what in the world we've been talking about all these weeks as you guys listen to us week in and week out. Um, And then we even get into a little bit about Golby. A lot of people have asked us, is it a squirrel? Is it a gopher? Is it a chipmunk? All this crazy stuff. We're going to tell you what Golby is, what he means, and how he got his name. Because listen... Contrary to a lot of the other stuff we do, there's a purpose behind Golby, and you guys can now be informed as to what in the world is going on with the blind Golby, okay? We're going to hit you up with that, but before that, the first thing you're going to hear is our interview with Roger Casey. Roger Casey is a cash game extraordinaire on DraftKings. We've been, we've been following his stuff for a long time. He does great work uh, for DFS, and we wanted to have Roger on and tell us a little bit about how he executes week in and week out from a cash game standpoint. It's great stuff. So that's going to start it off, and then me and Pat follow with our ramblings after. And we appreciate you guys downloading the show once again. Enjoy the interview with Roger Casey. What is up, golf addicts? Thank you for checking out the Tour Junkies podcast. And right now we have a guest on the line who is a cash expert okay he is uh he is roger casey at d roger casey also known as lattice project on dfs DraftKings sites things like that roger what is up man oh man so good to be on here guys appreciate you having me on i'm enjoying this gorgeous awful uh (laughs) non-golfing monday weather uh so happy to be on and do something a little bit more flashy there you go. You know, I mean, there's there's no no real golf for you to do there in the rainy state of North Carolina, and no no fake golf because we don't have DraftKings contests this week, I which know. is why what we're here disaster. talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Roger, you know, I know, I know, I can't I can't speak for Pat, but I know I've lost money to you in cash games on DraftKings under the Lattice Project name. Pat, do you remember losing money to Roger? No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh... I'm not falling for Roger strikes like you are. So. <laughs> well, I have I have lost money to Roger in, in that. So uh, that's what we want to talk about today. You know, we, we've we're taking this week to kind of get back to basics here um, and talk a little strategy. And one of the things that we don't really talk about a lot on our show is is cash game strategy. And I know that a lot of our listeners, um, you know, play cash games, and obviously there's there's a lot of options out there for cash players and uh, it's a good way to build your bankroll and all those all those good things and we know Roger's the uh, Roger's the expert on that so Roger why don't you just let, let's just kind of talk basics here because we do have a lot of people who actually have been emailing us lately talking about how they're new and they're trying to figure out you know what this means or what that means like talk to us about what is specifically a, what is a cash contest and then any specific terminology that one needs to know when addressing cash game? Sure. Okay. So, I mean, I, I pretty much define cash as anything where somewhere between about like 44 and 50, 50% of the field wins. Um, so basically, 
your win odds go way up just as a result of the simple math of the payout structure. And you know, you're, you're, you're looking to make more, like double your investment or a little less, you know, for 50-50s, uh, depending on that structure. But the, the goal being that you don't need to have the winning lineup, you know, number one, in order to take down the same prize as everyone who's, you know, in that top half, which means that you can take a much more conservative approach um, to trying to piece together a lineup, a lineup or lineups that are going to accomplish that goal as opposed to having to shoot for the moon, you know, to dominate the millionaire maker and, uh, you know, win a lottery ticket. So, um, yeah, the, the, I guess good, good terms, concepts to know. I mean, obviously, you want to talk about players' floors and ceilings. That's sort of how we, we think about it in terms of um, it's just sort of a, an approach to what kind of players are going to fit uh, for cash purposes, because, you know, I, like I said, if you don't need the winner, then obviously we put a lot less premium on winning and more premium on just making the cut. Um, so, you know, that kind of fluctuates a little bit when it comes to ownership percentages and stuff like that, and not as a result of wanting to find low-owned guys, but more as a result of wanting to protect your lineups in the event that some guys are like 50%, 70% owned, which has been happening more and more um, you know, this year as a result of the way DraftKings has been doing their pricing. Um, obviously, <laughs> the other extremely important piece to think about is um, rate, uh, you know, especially when it comes to that 10% that's getting chopped off or in, you know, in, the, in the case of double-ups, the way the payout structure is modified in order to make it so that only the top 44% are doubling up or 50-50, where it's the top half are winning their money, you know, plus, times two minus 10%. So thinking about how that affects your payout is, is really important, especially when you're thinking about cash game sizes, the number of entrants, the stakes you're playing, the number of lineups. So those are all variables that we sort of tinker with and, you know, overall leads to my sort of investment strategy every week. So, Roger, um, you know, kind of getting into strategy a little bit, just from a basic standpoint, let's Let's sort of talk through the process. So your first kind of initial steps when pricing comes out on a Monday, you know, what, what are your kind of first thoughts and what are you looking at in particular before, as you start to build your lineup? Yeah. So, so, so for me, um, I'm, I'm really, really big on course fit. Um, I don't, I don't, <laughs> and I know I'm going to get, I've been crucified for this a thousand times, but I swear to God, it's no, I love what it. I do every week. I love it. Um, I, I don't really look at stats. Um, I don't really care uh, for the most part. Oh, I, I find really love that. Then. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> this, this is this is uh, starting off really well. Well, I, I just find them to be very misleading um, in general. There's a lot of sample error. There's a lot of just very kind of just bad data. I guess you could say like it's it's not that it's the data is inaccurate. It's that it's just really really misleading in a lot of different ways. Like you know, the the, the simplest comparison I could make is well. If I'm looking last week at Valero, you know, and scrambling, which was which was not easy, you know, getting around those greens. You know, you've got that yeah. Champions Bermuda, nasty rough, ugly bunkers, and a lot of guys were leaving just all over the place. But you really couldn't say that someone's a good scrambler because they had a great performance at a place like Career Builder and then go out to Valero. You know, it's like trying to tell someone that because they scrambled well at a Muni, they're going to do well at Augusta. Like, so that's just a, a kind of a microcosm, but really it's why I focus on the course. So the, the first thing I look at is where are these guys playing? What are the, the pitfalls? What, what, what do you need to be able to do here in order to succeed? And then, you know, obviously I just kind of learn the, I, I know the golfers because I've been at this for a while and I just know who they are, what they do well, what kind of courses fit them. And then from that point, I sort of get a, get a, a profile in my mind and say, okay, well, 
if I'm looking for golfers who fit this profile that I think are are likely to succeed, then I need to find the ones that are probably the best values in the field that are going to give me the highest what I call cut equity. Um, most likely, you know, percentage to make the cut, which is obviously the goal in cash games. And then I sort of, you know, find, I, I like to go for my lower price guys first. I, cause the higher price guys, but they're going to fit in. I mean, that's where pricing tends to be efficient. Where, you know, if you were to sample a random 10, you know, like, or split the field up into 10s, that top 10, like top 20 salaries is where you're going to see the highest percentage of each 10 making the cut. It's where you get into that, like, you know, 7K, 6K range, where if you take like a random sampling of 10, you're going to have a much more kind of insane, who the hell knows, like distribution. So locking those made cuts down um, in the lower ranges is really where you need to kind of like build your build your cores, in my opinion, for cash. It's where, where I start. And, and then from that point, I just kind of say, okay, well, am I overpaying for this guy? Is there a better, is there an equally good version of the same golfer for less? You know what I mean? So, like, that that's mm-hmm. sort of my first step, and uh, generally, it kind of just falls into place from there. So, if, all right, if I'm hearing correctly, though, so you're saying, basically, when you're looking at your core guys, you're starting with the value. I mean, that's, it's going to be, like, your core doesn't necessarily start with, you know, the top price guys. You're, you're, that's going to be your first thought. And then, also, you, you're developing in your mind, you know, as far as course fit, history, all that kind of stuff before you even look at prices. I mean, that's that's kind of, like, you're not even looking yeah. at prices, and then you just sort of go from there. Yeah, I mean, I just want to know, I want to know what this course is. I mean, are we looking at, like, a, you know, Valero, where we're going to have a winner who's maybe just into the double digits max? Are we looking at a, a Sony, where the winner's probably going to be 20 under plus, you know? Or are we looking at a U.S. Open, where the winner's probably going to be over par? You know, that all of that matters. It's just looking at the scoring expectation, the cut expectation, you know, is this a grinder golf course, a scorer golf course? And then I kind of have my own little, you know, go-to list of, you know, mentally and on paper, guys that fit those different sorts of molds that need to be done. So, um, but, but, you know, I, when, I, when I say, like, I go down to the values first, I don't necessarily mean that I build my core on those guys, like, for cash. It, it may be someone who's more expensive. What, what I will say, though, is that I tend to be very reluctant to want to pay, you know, a high dollar amount for a cash play. Uh, just because, you know, from a pure philosophy standpoint, if I don't need the winner, then then there's really no need to take the risk, you know, very low. Because, obviously, if I was going to do something like last week, and I, I don't know why I would have, uh, but paying for Matt Kuchar at 11.5 at a Valero, then obviously that means I'm going to have to make some very you know, ugly sacrifices and paying way down and, and assuming more risk than necessary. Um, okay, and so that's really what, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so that, that brings up, I guess the next question I would have too is, um, you know, if you're looking at, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about strategy, where you're looking at a studs and duds or kind of an average um, price strategy, do you, which, you know, do you typically go along that average price line then for, for cash or, or does it, does it just change week to week? But it sounds like, you know, from what you said, you don't like to pay up for a lot of cash guys. So, you know, what is, well, what is you know, sort of your, it's, it's sort of a week to week thing. Um, it, it's been weird this year, this year because, you know, drafting's pricing hasn't been quite as static and I guess you can almost say challenging as it normally used to be. Um, if <laughs> you saw, some, some interesting weeks there where, you know, I, I can remember one specifically where Shane Lowry had, you know, consecutive, like, top 25 finishes, and yet his price went down 
a thousand per week until pedal when it was like a rock bottom seven thousand, and he was like you know sixty five percent in cash games, and it was it was like the easiest play in the world, especially given that pedal was going to be windy. Um, so it's a little hard to say which which I'm going to go for, but you know, then again, I also went up and paid for Hendrick Stenson at the Arnold Palmer, uh, you know, which was a disastrous outcome, but. That was a rare occurrence where I did. I thought it made a lot of sense. Or Charlie Hoffman last week. So I, I think you have to kind of take it on a case by case basis. I think trying to force yourself into a balanced or sort of star scrub strategy is not the right way to look at it. I think you have to look at what what the field is giving you or what DraftKings is giving you with the field, and then make that decision based on sort of your 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 ideal conservative risk and that's 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 what cash is in the end is it's just it's sort of building an investment portfolio of cash game lineups you know which is for me like usually around three and deciding what level of risk do i need to accept in order to have my maximum odds of placing in the top half of this field and that's all it is and you know if you try to complicate it much more than that then i think you end up making a lot of like kind of crazier decisions and trying to be contrarian which really it kind of goes against the grain of cash strategy and, and usually will end up making you sort of tinker and, and make a lot of bad decisions up to the lock, which is uh, just, just totally minus expected value in my opinion. So, And, and I'm assuming like ownership percentage is doesn't even cross your mind when it comes to cash strategy, right? You know, it, it, it depends. Um, it, certainly over the last two years, no, I wouldn't have even counted right, the of course, idea of you're a little bit it. of a, yeah. Yeah, well, I, so, right, right. Now, I don't know how much you guys play of, like, other, uh, you know, DFS sports and everything, but when you are getting guys in, like, NFL or NBA, they're, like, 80%, 90% owned, you, you kind of have to have those guys in your cash yeah. game, you know? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's protecting your lineup, because even if they fail, the worst thing that happens is that the rest of the field fails with you. Right, and especially right. when it's over that halfway point, that, that matters a lot, because then you're in a position of where... If eighty percent of guys own him, and so do you, you know, you rise and fall with it. But one way or another, even if they don't do well, only twenty percent of the field gain points on you. But with right. PGA, it didn't used to be that way. You know, your maximum cash guy was probably somewhere on the order of like forty, fifty percent at most. Um, now, you know, we, we we see it a little bit differently. I mean, we may not necessarily see those eighty, ninety percent guys, but they're. We are getting to the point. I think Brendan Steele was up at that like sixty-five, seventy percent mark. Um, so there is kind of a sense that the meta game is evolving a little bit, so to speak. I think people are getting a little bit more uh, clever when it comes to their cash picks and being a little bit more conservative. And you know, you, you don't see as many like insane plays, like "Oh my god, I can't believe this many people bought this guy," or like, "Yeah, you know, yeah. I can't believe only twenty-five percent of people bought this guy." It's, it, so it's becoming a factor to an extent. It's still not somewhere I would venture right away, but it's something I at least give some more thought to than I used to, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I get that. So I want to go back to the stat comment, because I, I'm a little more of a stat guy. But, I mean, obviously you are, you know, Pat and I talk about, you know, at the same time I like stats, I, I don't like the guys who are so deep into the stats that they don't, that they can't, they can't see past it or, you know, like me and Pat actually love golf and play golf a lot right. and watch golf a lot and did long before DFS existed. So uh, there's also something to be said for that and just knowing what type of a player a certain guy is. But, of, of course, you derive what type of a player they are based on 
some level of statistical long-term kind of performance, right? I mean, you, sure. you know that Steve Stricker is a great putter because year after year, statistically, he's been a great putter, right? Sure. So are, are you just more saying like, I, you know, like I, I'm not buying into, I'm not, I'm not going to buy into the, the recent, you know, three months stats or the, the recent season stats as much. I'm just kind of looking at, you know, the type of player that they are and, and I'm going to roll that way. But then doesn't that, doesn't that lead you to pick a lot of the same guys, uh, you know, often? I mean, with, with golf courses being, you know, like your courses like Harbortown are kind of, they're, they're kind of rare on the PGA Tour, right? Like most of the time it's the same, you know, tee to green, ball striking or bomb and gouge kind of guys week in and week out, right? Yeah, so so I think you put it really well. I, I think stats are super useful for establishing a player type. So, and especially you know, and it's one thing I really wish PGA Tour would do a better job of is that you can actually look at what a player did statistically by round at each tournament. You know, if you actually go back to the right. the season page on PGATour dot com and scroll down instead of going to the statistics page, which I think is like error number one that a lot of people doing analysis make. So (laughs) it's not to say that I don't look at the stats. Like, I want to know, for example, if a guy gained, like, eight strokes putting, you know, but, like, basically was flat tee to green, and that's the only reason that this guy did anything, right? So that's going to be a huge determinant. You're going to know, or, or for example, I can remember, like, Dr. Castoni, Paul Casey, you know, striped, like, 80% of greens, but lost, like, six, six strokes putting, and this cut, you know, that, that, that to me signals positive aggression because we know Paul Casey is not a, a terrible putter. I mean, he's not a great putter, but he's not terrible. Um, so, so those kind of things are definitely interesting. I also like to look at stats on like comparable courses. So I, if, you know, and again, that comes from studying the courses. And if I know that, for example, like you brought up Harbortown, a good comp for Harbortown would be a place like Sawgrass in general. Um, the same kind of players that tend to succeed at Harbortown succeed at Sawgrass. Um, Last year was a weird exception, you know, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson. I think the number was like Dustin Johnson has played 22 rounds at Sawgrass and had never broken 70 until last year. Um, yeah. So it played really strangely. But in general, like, you know, a guy like Kevin Na or, you know, Sergio Garcia, a lot of ball-striking guys could do really well at Sawgrass and really well at Harbortown. And I can even remember, you know, Zach Johnson doing one of those PGA Tour AMAs where he basically said, hey, uh, you know, I would really compare Harbortown to this golf course, so from the horse's mouth. But the reason I say it is because I would rather use stats in a way that's meaningful, meaningfully comparative. You know what I mean? So, like, if I can look at strokes gained tee to green on a course that actually comps well uh, to Harbortown, then I'm much more likely to get a definitive result that tells me that the player is likely to play better at Harbortown. You know what I mean? So, right. That's how that's how I use that. Um, and you know, good. You, you can use finishes as a proxy, but again, it's why you you would not take take stock, for example, if some guy goes nuts at the Puerto Rico Open with a top ten. You're not going to say, "Oh my God, well this guy's a lot to play well at the U.S. Open." Like, <laughs> you know, Bryson DeChambeau hit like 88 percent of greens with the PRO. That that's really meaningless when it comes right down to it at a lot of other golf courses. So that that's kind of why I, I don't look at it that way. There are guys that look amazing on paper. But if you look at the courses they played, I mean, I remember Will Wilcox was one of those guys that I, I love him. Years ago. You know? yeah. but, but exactly, but he looked amazing on paper. But if you he put did. him on like an A track, you know, with an A field, uh, he was in like the, the bottom 
quartile at best in terms of performance there. So that's when I kind of clicked me. I was like, I can't be using these stats anymore. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So getting into some specific gameplay, um, you know, David mentioned when we started off about, you know, head-to-head. But, you know, talk about, I guess, head-to-head versus maybe your 50-50 or, um, you know, that, you know, is there a difference in strategy in those specific types of games, the cash games? Um, so, I don't think so, generally speaking. I, I think the, the question for me comes down really more to how many cash lineups you're going to deploy. Um, and that's important because, I mean, there's different schools of thought on this, and I, I've had a lot of, you know, discussions with my subscribers and other people I respect in the industry about how to go about this. Uh, you know, like I said, personally, I, I go with the three, three line of strategy, and the reason I do that is because if, if I limit my overall, like, cash player pool to, let's just say, like, 10 guys or less, right, then I'm probably going to have a situation of where I have a pretty good shot at, at shipping all three, if if you know most, if I have maybe like one or two fails, and the and the, you know six through rate is like not too horribly chalky. So we're not talking about you know like twenty, thirty, forty percent six through. We're talking about something more like last week, where like seven or eight percent have six through, and then something like the next forty have five through. And if if I can shoot for five through, I'm probably going to be in the green and be good to go. Right, so. But that said, the, the main thing I like about the three lineup strategy is that it enables you to shift to a three, and then you made a profit. I mean, now it's not like a GBP profit, but if you're turning like 25, 30% ROI, you're not going to be upset about that. And then on the other hand, let's just say you've got like three or four guys out of your you know 10-player cash pool to fail, and you, but you still have six that do well, especially if you get a couple high finishes, there's still a reasonable chance that you're going to get one of those three through. So you recoup a certain amount of your investment, and the odds of you ever just straight up blowing it and having zero for three are pretty low, uh, like almost as low as you ever, you know, having three or three, um, just destroy the whole week, which is possible. But if you just go with one line, then you're putting all your eggs in one basket. You're basically saying these six guys have to make the cut, or five of six of them have to make the cut, or I'm screwed. You know, so it's doable, and it's and and depending on your bankroll, I think it really makes a difference. Like if you don't care about hedging because you're only playing for like thirty, forty dollars a week, and you're really new to this or something, then sure, fire one cash line. Like I'm not going to tell you that you need to be hedging, you know, an investment of thirty dollars because if your goal is to you know double that money up, then then go for it. Um, But you know, when you get up into the spend level where I'm at. I am much more comfortable looking at it like in terms of, okay, well, if I want to generate a consistently good ROI and I'm okay with not having great because I have enough volume in, then that's where I think the strategy really comes into play. Um, contest selection, obviously, is important. Um, you know, you see guys with trains, and <laughs> I'm, I'm one of them who <laughs> usually maxes like the $5 and the $2 mm-hmm. and the giant dubs and stuff like that, but DraftKings has a bunch of really good ones now. They have the single entry 5 and 25, which are two of my personal favorites um, because obviously there are no trains and there's still a lot of people in there. There's a lot of dead money in there. So uh, if you're looking for a good place to start and you're a low-roll player, that's probably where I would take team because um, you're much much less likely to run into a huge amount of really good chalk lineups um, with high, high like, cash equity. You're going to run into 
a lot more random play that just is off the wall and, you know, probably minus CP. So you're going to have a much, much better edge that way. So right, I'm gonna have, I have one more question. This is kind of, this is throwing us off topic just slightly, but I got to ask <laughs> it because I've made this, I've made this mistake plenty of times, but do you take, so you say, let's just say you have three cash lineups for the week. Do you typically take those and enter them into a GPP just just to have them in there, or do you just roll with that's your cash and you're you're, you're going to leave it alone? Oh no, you, you. I mean, it is like one on one. You have to have every lineup you play in a GPP. Like, it, I don't care if it's the quarter arcade. You just just throw it in. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I back in the early days of my daily fantasy sports career, if you want to call it that, um, I, I can remember having cash lineups that outperformed all of my GBP lineups and that were not in GBPs. And I was just like, this is the worst possible outcome. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I would always, 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 even if it's just like a quarter arcade or a dollar or something, put it, put it in something. Just so that way, well, if, you, if, you, if you hit the nuts, you're good to go. Yeah, well, I, and I kind of figured that'd be your answer. But you know, we got a lot of new listeners and new players to the game and that is a mistake no, that's great. that uh, a lot of people make. So, and I've I've certainly made it, but I try not to if I, if I, if I can avoid it. But uh, anyway, that that was kind of the answer I thought you were going to give. But um, yeah, Pat, yeah, Pat failed failed that one hundred and one a couple times. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, but believe me, it's easy to do, especially I mean, because I get so caught up, you know, and actually building the lineup. Lineups and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, I'm, um, and I'm, I'm, go ahead. Do you think there is a difference in um, cash game strategy when it comes to playing in higher dollar double ups? Like if you're playing in double ups or head to heads, maybe um, that are above like a twenty five to the fifty dollar entry fee. Is there a difference there when you may be in there with some sharper money? So that's an interesting question. Um, the way the way I would I would look at that is that you're much less likely to run into players that are going to be making mistakes. So right, um, it's it's hard to strategize for that because you, you don't you really really don't want to get all game theory about it. You really don't want to start thinking like, oh my god, well he thinks I'm going to do this, so I'm going to I'm going to do this to outsmart him because this this this. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's really not generally good cash thought like that's not you're kind of overthinking and getting past your goal you what your, your goal is to get six guys through the cut line right like that that right. is the goal no matter what happens so whatever you think is the best way to accomplish that no matter who you're playing against that is what you need to do um like you're never going to have a situation where you're mad about getting six through the, through the cut line right so oh. Ever. You know, now you could have what happened to me at the Valero, and you could have, you know, I, I had Pat Perez at Harbor Town go 10 over on me on Saturday, which was, you know, just awesome. <laughs> I mean, I was lucky enough to have Leslie Bryan a lot, so that, that helped me turn in a good, profitable week. But then I had the double Pat Perez special this weekend with Adam Howen and Adwin. JJ Spawn yep. going, what, yep. 81 and 82, respectively. I had both so, of them too. Yep. Yeah, all of our subscribers were just like up in arms, like, "Oh my god, how is this happening to us?" <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a disaster. Uh, and the Brendan Steele was not far behind either uh, in terms right. of no, poor, poor weekend play. Um, but but the point is, is that look, if even if I have all like all those guys, and I have so I have six guys through the cut, like you know, my odds of not cashing are really really low. Now I didn't get six right. through; it was, it was a crappy week, but. In the end, I don't think you can kind of strategize around your own logic 
you can't get to the point of where you say, well, I think this is the safest six to six line, but because I'm playing at higher stakes, I really need to like, you know, rethink which hands I'm playing or which, uh, lineups I'm playing. I mean, I, I would compare it to poker. Like, just because you're playing at a high, at higher stakes doesn't, like, devalue your full house. You know what right. I mean? Like, you, got to, you, you, you can't really let yourself kind of get intimidated by your competition. You have, if you think your strategy is good, um, but then you stick with it. You, you just What I would say is that it's a better strategy in general, especially if you're a newer player to cash, to put more lineups into a smaller buy-in cash game when allowable um, than to try to kind of go for the gold in, in a smaller entrance contention pool, higher dollar cash game, just because you're much less likely to run into a lot of mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, sharper money. So, you know, invest widely really is what advice I'd give there. If, if they're going to give you the opportunity to put in 25 times one against other players who might just put in a dollar lineup, I mean, who the hell knows what that's going to look like, right? Um, right. Who's going to put in, you know, a, a $25 bullet which is probably going to be a lot smarter because he's also putting in, you know, another $10, $25 bullets, then you want to be up against as many of those one-hit, one $1 guys as you possibly can because you're still going to get the same exact result in the end. So uh, have, have you been able to, have, have you dabbled at all in cash over on uh, FanDuel or Fantasy Draft? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, Fantasy Draft has been outstanding. Um, I, I love those guys. They're actually based out of Charlotte, so I have a couple of couple buddies That's down right. there. Um, but they, you know, their their cash has been tough. They uh, their, their pricing their pricing is the exact opposite of drafting this season. It is. You better be ready. Well, you know, like, for example, though, I love it. I wish DraftKings would go back to that. I do. Um, too. Yeah, very, I mean, we do too. Yep. Yeah, it's very strictly based on Vegas odds, like you can tell, because mm-hmm. if you look at the actual Vegas odds, they. They are verbatim, so it means you really need, you really, really need to make hard choices, and hard choices are always going to be good for the more conservative player, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you know, if you're more disciplined and you get in there and you say, okay, well, here's my strategy to try to maximize my six through, even though I know I'm probably not going to need it, because there's going to be very few people who are actually going to get six guys through the cut. Right. So fantasy drafts has been outstanding, not just because of the pricing, but because also the rate free head to head. Um, yeah. That has been just amazing, and so I'm constantly on there, like trying to get more equity in, just so I can uh, dodge that ten percent because that adds up so fast. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. What about yeah. Fanduel? What do you think as far as Fanduel? <laughs> oh man, what what a weird format. Um, yep. I, I I feel like you know since they've introduced it, I think that the, the kind of prevailing logic, and I see really no reason to deviate, is to stack round three, round four with yeah. your guaranteed made cuts because the only way you really lose there is if you have you know no points accumulating on three and four from a guy or two right so but the weird thing is is that a lot of the guys we've expected to just be locked up make the cut and go but but that's that's a good thing though because if if it makes people start to think there's some sort of voodoo going on here and they need to start paying up you know in rounds one and two then i think over a longer sample of more and more you should see better, better results for sticking to that kind of, you know, conventional logic. Um, so I, I, I guess I like the format. I don't love it. The pricing is is, is ridiculous, um, weird, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird, and and you can stuff anything you want. Like it's just, it, it's a little bit nuts. But but overall, I mean, I could see it being pretty profitable, especially if people start saying, well. 
you know, my guy, I've had a you know high dollar guy miss the cut, so I'm going to be contrarian and yeah. roll punt and round three, round four. Then you can probably make some decent money over there, um, expecting the field to do some some interesting stuff over time. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I mean, I think I think you're. Uh... Just because we haven't seen it in these last couple of weeks, or, or we've seen some weird cases where these high-owned, chalky, can't-miss guys miss, um, you're going to have people kind of get start getting a little loopy with with how they set up lineups. But I mean, honestly, you know, you need to have four guys in the six K range in rounds one and two, and then the rest. Yeah, of the I, I think that's a no-brainer. And I, and I think because, because of the way FanDuel does it. You, you, that's your strategy for cash and GPPs over there. Just yeah, because. I mean, wh- why not? I mean, it, it would not? be crazy yeah. to me to really think that you have to go too far away from that. I mean, you could you could make an argument for getting a little bit more balanced for GPP because the balance is almost contrarian, you know. It is right. That's so, right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, so you could you could get a little more clever, um, being a little bit more balanced. I wouldn't say like go full on like AK across the board. <laughs> this would be just a little bit awkward. Um, but what I would say is, is you, you could certainly make a good argument there um, for making that happen. But, you know, think of it like this. It's the equivalent of watching aces get busted, you know, five times in a row and suddenly saying, well, you know, I'm not playing aces anymore. Oh, <laughs> like, aces. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with it. Like, you know, the, the math right. is still there. The odds are still what they are. You know, and I think that's a lot of, really, I think that's a lot of what cash game strategy is, is it's trying to exploit people who believe in the magic of DFS instead of the logic of DFS. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. If, I, if I can be the smartest guy in the room and have that guy that no one else is on, then I just feel really good about myself. But, you know, even if I miss it, like, you know, 90% of the time, that one time I'm going to feel really cool. And they try yeah. to apply that similar kind of DPP huge... Hit, you know, millionaire maker strategy to cash, and we still see that, um, like quite a bit weird, weird stuff in, in cash, and and that's that's whose money you're trying to take. You're trying to take the the magicians, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just uh, let let them let them believe in the dream, and you're just going to keep grinding the good money. I like it. That's sharp, man. We appreciate our boy Roger Casey. You guys need to follow him on Twitter if you're not already at d Roger Casey. And be on the lookout for Lattice Project. You're going to have to, like, create a new account somehow and change your name because people are going to get on to you, Roger. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna, no, they're going to come after me. I'm sure of it. They're going to avoid the Lattice Project head-to-heads. I know I know. I sure have for a while now. So, um, <laughs> nah, man, you're, you're, you're doing a good thing. We appreciate you coming on and being a, uh, being a, a supporter of the Tour Junkies podcast. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll keep up, and maybe we'll try to have you on again uh, again this year. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, and I'd love to be on again. And uh, best of luck, and enjoy your off week. And uh, good luck at Quill of not Quill Hollow. Wells Fargo are going to be at what uh, Eagle Point. Eagle Point, uh, I believe. So should be exciting. Looking forward to it. Thanks, man. Cheers, man. All right, have a good one. What is going on, golf addicts? David and Pat here with you. The tour junkies grinding, grinding. Even during a week where there is no PGA DFS, as we have the Zurich Classic, is now a team format. But we're bringing you the fire tonight, guys. Listen, this is uh, this is David and Pat unscripted, okay? Unscripted, unleashed, and we're going to talk strategy, which you've already heard a little strategy discussion. 
from our, our friend Roger Casey, who just, just does an amazing job week in and week out winning cash games on DraftKings specifically. So you've gotten your cash strategy talk. That's for that's for those of you who are just now starting to play or those of you who've been playing for a while and you need a reminder of maybe what you're doing that's stupid. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Valero. We're going to talk a couple of announcements, Tweet of the Week. We're going to talk a little bit about the Zurich. And then we're just going to hit some DFS basics for you guys. We've had a lot of people ask us some some questions here recently about you know, what certain terminology would mean and like what we mean when we say this and some of the basics. And we forget that we're gaining listeners all the time. And not all of you have been playing for three years, so our apologies, first of all. But we're ready to enlighten you today. Pat, how are you feeling, my man? And I want you to share with the listeners an update that you need to provide us. And you know what I'm talking about. This is unscripted, but you know what I'm talking I'm trusting you know what I'm talking about right here. Wow. So, okay. Uh... First off, uh, I, I want to have a, I have a big takeaway from our conversation with Roger Casey, and that was his initial thoughts about course fit. I love it. I love it. We, he and I got along great right off the bat. So we'll just we'll, we'll just go there. But okay. I know the update that you are waiting on, and yes. I can finally say the dry spell is over. Hashtag Woo! dry spell two K seventeen. Is officially over in the books, in the books, and uh, I just want to thank everybody for their support. Um, it was a, uh, it was you know, it was, it was a challenging time, but uh, you know, we we pulled through it, and uh, you know, the TJ family helped us out. So, just uh, feeling good today. I feel like you know, so. So Pat, tell us uh, tell us what you think led to the end of hashtag Dry Spell Two K Seventeen. Uh, a lot of patience. Okay. Uh huh. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things is you know, and that's you know, we can equate that with you know, fantasy and Ooh, and uh, nice. you're gonna tie this in. I see it. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what are we talking about with fantasy? I mean, fantasy is a, it's it's a uh, you know, sometimes you just gotta be creative. You gotta Ooh. you gotta. You got to see what's not necessarily to be seen on the surface. <laughs> this is such bull. And sometimes if you just think outside the box, uh-huh. whether it's in DraftKings or Fantasy Draft or, or whatever, or in your everyday uh, relationships, mm-hmm. you know, if you just kind of mm-hmm. think outside the box, and, you know, we're talking strategy. So I, I kind of had a GPP strategy with all of this. <laughs> did and, you? Uh, okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. What, what, what was that? Like, what, what do you mean? I, I just went with a lower owned option, which was not just going off, going all out on like lavish gifts and things like that. No, I just, I just, uh, <laughs> I just took my time. I had what, I had what was patience. your go-to move? Like, what was your seal the deal move? What was your contrarian play? So the contrarian play was um, I don't know if I should reveal this because it's you know. Well, there may be others out there that you know. I mean, here's the thing. Here, here's one thing that we've learned in all this, people, and that is vulnerability is important, right? Like, we all need to we all need to give. Pat Perry, a pat on the back. You know what I mean? Like, way to way to be vulnerable, buddy. There, there could be other other men, other married men. More than likely, they're married, experiencing the same 
dry spell season that you went through. And, you know, they may have felt like they they had a they had a, a guy in their corner. You know what I mean? Like a, a Mick in the corner, you know, cheering them on in Pat. You know, someone who's been there, who's fighting through it, who's who's suffering with them, you know, just building up all that aggression and all that tension, you know, and, and now they have used their champion, you know, like you were patient. Like you said, you went through, you came through it. You came out on the other side and you're learning from it. You know, you're learning and, you know, and, now, it, and now you're sharing that information. Well, it's, and it's if critical. If there are listeners out there that, that are, you know, I mean, I will be your caddy through this. If you need a <laughs> caddy, um, you know, I can help you out. I, I think the key is just for me was, you know, sometimes uh, your significant other may say, you know what, the, the sky is green, but you, you know it's blue. I mean, you know it's blue. Right, right. But sometimes you just got to say, you know what, babe, it's, it's freaking green. <laughs> and, and so that's that. I don't know. Maybe that's the secret. That's kind of what I did, though. I just sort of was like, you know, it's a beautiful I, yes, thing. Put pride, I put pride and everything aside. Oh, it's beautiful. And just did did what I needed to do. That's a great move. You, it's a, it, you handled it with grace. You handled it with elegance, and um, you know I'm I'm proud to say I'm your friend and your co-host, and I helped see you through the hashtag dry spell two K seventeen as well. Um, a lot like SB two K seventeen. It's now over, and we hope we don't see it again until next year. Okay. Um, no, we don't hope. Well, <laughs> we don't hope. We see dry spell ever again. Well, yeah, but, but we know we'll yeah. see it again. <laughs> we, we all know. We all know it's coming. Um, but you know, now now you're a voice for the people. You know what I mean? Like you've you've walked it. You've walked it, and you've come out. You know, if we have other listeners who are struggling with a dry spell, they should call into our hotline, which we have not thrown out the number in a long time. But y'all, the hotline still lives. Okay. The TJ Hotline Bling is still alive and well, and you guys can call, leave us a voicemail, and we might play it on the show, and we might address what's going on um, with you. So if you want to air your business on the TJ Podcast, it would make for great content. We would greatly appreciate it. It is 706-6-ADDICT, A-D-D-I-C-T, 706-6-ADDICT, TJ Hotline Bling. Listen, if you guys need help, okay, the first step is admitting that you need help, right? And that's what we're here for. Yeah, we're here to make your screens green and all that other fun stuff. But man, we're we're here for for a higher calling, I think. You know, and Pat's Pat's walking that out right now. So I didn't know the show was going to go there, but I'm really excited about where it went. I think we helped some people right now. This feels yeah. very Oprah. I feel like Oprah right now. <laughs> <sighs> this is deep. Hang on a second. What do you? Uh, what's your podcast use of choice tonight? Uh, you know, it's, it's getting a little warmer down here. So I've got a little, um, I, you know, in the wintertime, I go with a lot of red wine, but r- right now I've switched over to white. It's a little white wine going tonight. <laughs> oh Lord. All what right. do you got? Cause I can, I can hear that glass. I got, I got some jingling. moonshine. I got some, I got some moonshine. Is it go flavored on. or just like, yeah, it's a little, it's got a little sweet tea flavor. It's like good old Southern sweet tea moonshine with a little wow. squeeze of lemon. Yeah, it's pretty boss. I'm not going to lie. It's good okay. stuff. Um, all right, so now that we've got that out of the way, congratulations again, Pat. Um, Thank you. Let's talk Valero. Kevin Chappell, 180 career PGA Tour starts. 
finally wins. It's a season of, of first. You know, you got Sergio, first major, Chapel, first time. You got Wesley Bryan, who won the week before, first win on the PGA Tour. It's It's been a great season. It's good to see some of these guys win. I was pulling for Chap there at the end. Um, you know, seems like a good guy, great caddy beard, great relationship with the caddy. Um, it's, good, it's just good to see him grind one out. He's, he's a good player. He's been a good player for a long time. I was pumped for for Kevin Chapel to end his dry spell. What say you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was I was very excited. Definitely pulling for him. There were some interesting names up there. You know, we we talked about Brooks Kepka last week, and Ooh, nobody believed us. Nobody yeah. believed us. The guy found his game. He found it weeks ago. He didn't find it this week, people. If you think he found it this week, you are wrong. He found it weeks ago. He did. He did. So. Great pick there, but you know how about Kevin Tway up there? Like of Kevin all the Tway people, like, is a that, man. He is a man. That guy can bomb. Like I didn't like. Was was his dad a bomber? Like, I don't. I don't remember his dad. I don't think so. But man. if they said that he was the son of Bob Tway one more time, I, I was I was going to lose it. Well, I mean, it's not like that. Yeah. Every other sentence they're talking about yeah. the son of Bob Tway. And if and you they follow all- golf, I'm pretty sure you you probably knew that just because there's not really like Tway like I've I've been around 40 years on Earth as as everyone knows in this <laughs> podcast, and I don't think I've ever run into anybody with a last name Tway. You don't meet a lot of Tways around around here <laughs> besides, around these parts, besides Bob and Kevin. <laughs> Kevin is a so, big boy. I never realized how big he was. They said yeah. he's six three. I call BS on that. Like. He looked enormous, and he was crushing. Now, the rest of his game is horrific. Um, if he had a wedge game and a little little putter, he could be he could be serious. But whatever, he faded a little bit there. Um, but but it, it was a good tournament. We had some nice picks. Um, let's see. We had. Hold on. Let me stall for a second. Uh, am I, am I supposed to fill in here? Yeah, you're doing a horrible job stalling. Keep stalling. Okay. Um, one thing I'll say while you're going over our, looking at our picks or whatever is, how about, um, we had a, we had a, a, a loyal listener that had a really good week. And I just, I gotta mention it because, I mean, the guy won the freaking dog leg. 50,000. Ryol, Ryol Duke. Rail, row. I don't know if I'm saying that. Well, right. he was doomed from the beginning. You started trying to pronounce his name, but yes, congrats to him for winning the the dog leg. Giving us a shout out. Listens to the pod. Uh, had a lot of the guys that we that we mentioned in his lineup, and obviously put it all together quite nicely for a little fifty thousand dollar payout. That is huge. Hey, listen, if you guys win contests, they don't have to be the big contests. We don't care if you guys have like decent green screens. Screenshot that stuff and tweet us like that. that yeah, we love seeing it. Yeah, we we love seeing that. Like that 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 kind of like keeps us going a little bit. Like if we think everyone's suffering and you guys only listen to us to hear us make fools of ourselves, then that's fine. But we would love to he- see that you guys are making money on this. So please tweet us. Let us know what's up. Um, but okay, I got I got some numbers here. So so we had we picked twenty six golfers last week. Twenty six. Uh, of those 26, only five missed the cut. We had a pretty strong week last week in picks. We did mention the winner in Kevin Chappell. 
Um, we had one, two, three. We had four players, five players in the top ten. And we had six. No, I'm sorry, six players in the top ten. One, two, three, four, five. No, no, five. Okay. And then we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We had 11 in the top 25. Pretty solid week for us. I'm pretty happy with that one. Uh, a couple of our low-end guys really paid off, too. You, you had Nick Taylor, who was tied for 22nd. I had John Huh, who looked like he could have won the golf tournament until late on Sunday. He actually yeah. finished tied for 22nd. Terrible we Tom, Sunday. We had Tom Hoagie, who was looking like a beast through, through the first couple rounds. I was thinking, man, he could win this thing. But he faded. We had Matt Jones down there, who finished tied for 13th. We told you guys Matt Jones was way undervalued um, on, on a lot of different uh, formats, FanDuel, Fan, Fantasy Draft, DraftKings, all that. Cam Smith throwing up some nice numbers. I mean, we had some good cheapies that, that performed quite well. Our one-and-done picks, okay. Mine was Charlie Hoffman, who sucked. And yours is Ryan Moore, a little bit better than mine. Moore finishing 18th. So, good for you. My one-and-done continues to be a horrible story. But we'll move on. Um, all in all, a pretty good week. Fun to, fun to watch. And um, now we get a little break, you know? Yeah, and I'm I'm happy about the break. I am. Me too. It's kind of good. Yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, I am really looking forward to this event too, and not you know I'm going to watch a lot of this event and not really going to care that I don't have anything riding on daily fantasy. Now I may I may not on daily, but I am going to yeah, yeah. I may place a few bets out there, but um, yeah, 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 I think it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Well, before, before we get into the Zurich, let's, let's, uh, let's hammer out a couple of quick announcements here. Our Tweet of the Week, we've got to award that. We've got to award the Tweet of the Week. The Tweet of the Week goes to a PGA Tour pro who is now sidelined. He did some action on the Golf Channel this past week. He actually did a pretty good job. It was good to see. Colt Nost, at Colt Nost, um, did a really nice job of trolling Grayson Murray. Grayson Murray, yeah. another PGA Tour pro who's caught a lot of flack lately on Twitter. Pretty outspoken guy. Grayson Murray playing at Eagle Point, which is the site of the Wells Fargo Championship in a couple weeks there in North Carolina. Grayson Murray says 18 at Eagle Point is 560 yards. That will be a nice risk reward unless you have at Colt Nose length. Then it's a four-shot hole. So a little dig there on Colt Nost. Colt Nost responds and says, that length has had me on tour for seven years. You haven't even made seven cuts, which is pretty. <laughs> I think the point goes to Colt Nost there. That was a solid comeback from our boy Colt Nost. Very nice. It was. It was. Very nice. I, I think Grayson knew it was coming, though, from what, from what I could see on his Twitter page, that uh, there, was, there was a little bit of back and forth there. But I, I think it was, uh, yeah, that was great. And Colt, I, yeah, you know, you it. mentioned the Golf Channel thing. Like, I didn't see a whole lot on Twitter, but yeah, he. I thought he did a pretty good job. He did. I, yeah. I, I noticed that on Sunday when I was I was watching some uh, pregame action. He did and, do. Uh, he did do a nice job. Yep. Colt knows. Funny guy. Uh, good. Good player. Um, definitely sticking it to Grayson Murray. That was that was pretty. Yeah, and we and, and listen, I, I think Grayson Murray's entertaining on Twitter. I love I love his action on Twitter. Like. 
I don't care if he loses followers. It's, it's entertaining for me, nonetheless. Um, but it was a pretty fun. It was a pretty fun, uh, fun, fun thing to watch that go down. Um, all right, two more quick announcements. Then we're going to get into it. TJ, we got we got new TJ swag. We mentioned this. I think I think last podcast. Our old stuff in the store is on sale. You can get it right now. Pat has limited quantities of the old stuff. I think we only have a few more hats in the red and in the flat bill and things like that. Um, pretty much out of the full mark green t-shirts. Uh, I think we got a couple more of those. Got a f- few more t-shirts. All this stuff's for sale. It's good stuff. And then we got a lot of new stuff in the store. You guys have to check out the new stuff. Go to tourjunkies.net. Click on the shop. We've got ball markers that are freaking fire. They're $6.50 a piece. Like, buy both of them. They're awesome. They're really cool. They're legit ball markers. Um, And then we've got the head covers that are just unreal. We've only got a handful of head covers left. Dormy Golf out of Canada, great leather head cover company, made us some custom Golby driver head covers with squirrel fur on them, and they are brilliant. You guys, like... They're not cheap because they're custom. They're genuine leather. We're not doing them again. Like, this is it. So just check it out if you can afford it. We'd love for you to rock one of those on the course. There's only going to be a handful of them out there. That's for sure. And then we got new hats, too. Um, new hats on the store. And this week, hopefully, we'll have some polos that are up. So I cannot wait for those. Be on the lookout for those. The polos are nice. They we are, were actually wearing them. We if were. You, if you happen to check out some uh, some pictures during Masters and and whatever else, um, so that's right. We wore them during Masters week. Very comfortable. Very comfortable. Very comfortable. They they're they're like the breathable sports kind of spandex stretchy material. Um, however, Pat, you are not one for a modern fit, and you still like the shirt. They're not really a modern fit; it's more of a traditional fit. So, you know, yeah, if you're a little, if you're a little huskier, you're it won't show off all your curves. Okay, um, <laughs> so check out that it's 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 really good stuff. Really good stuff. That's a great way to support us. And then the last thing is the iTunes contest, man. So we threw out the iTunes contest last week, and we had a great response right off the bat. We are just shy of hitting the goal. I, I wanted 100 iTunes reviews, and once we get 100, we're going to pick one, and we're going to send you a nice care package with a T-shirt of your choice, a hat of your, sh- of your choice, a polo of your choice, a ball marker, some stickers. Like You're going to have a load, a load of TJ stuff for free just for taking four minutes and leaving an iTunes review. So like, you know, and if you're an Android user, I'm sorry, find someone that has an uh, an iPhone, leave a review and tell us the screen name that you left it under. So just go on iTunes, subscribe to our show. That's a big deal. Please subscribe to the show if you have not done that already. That helps us out. Subscribe to the show. Leave an honest review. We have read all of them. There's some really funny ones going out right now. Uh, I'm enjoying reading those, but we are a handful shy of hitting our 100 mark goal, and we can award a lucky listener um, that TJ care package, if you will. Anything else to add on that, Pat, before we get into the rest of this stuff? Ah, okay. Good. Move on. Well, before we get into some DFS basics, uh, the Zurich Classic definitely going to be a fun format. There are no DFS contests for the Zurich Classic, um, but we are putting our efforts into something we believe is almost just as fun, and that is the Zurich Classic prom photo book that we will be putting out 
all week, every day, Monday through Friday of this of of this week. Um, we kind of feel like the Zurich Classic has that prom feel, you know, Pat. It's like, hey, you know, I I I'm I'm I can get in the field, and I kind of want to ask the hot girl in the room who's like got a chance to win and help me win some money and earn some FedEx Cup points. But I don't know, you know, like what if what if they say no? What if they already have a partner and I look stupid? You know, or I also have the pressure of taking my best friend who I went to college with and they kind of suck, but I, I feel like I need to take them anyway. You know, like there's all this there's there's all this like dynamic because these tour pros are actually picking their partners. It's not this assigned thing, which we don't normally see, and that's the difference. It's so it's so much fun. We've had a good time kind of thinking about these pairings and um, started today. We're going to tweet out two pictures a day, two prom photos a day um, with, with our guys photoshopped in. We would love it if you guys follow us on Twitter at tour underscore junkies and on Instagram at tour underscore junkies and on Facebook. Facebook page is tour junkies. We'd appreciate the like on Facebook, follow on Instagram and Twitter. And then we're going to put these things on every single one of those platforms um, twice a day, new photos, Monday through Friday. They're great. Like So today we started off with uh, Baldo and Boo, that pairing. And then we finished today with a little Kisner-Scott Brown, a little Aiken Boys connection. And they're beautiful pictures, great, great pictures. You guys, please retweet those. Help us get the word out. We want to, we want to, we want to get the Zurich Classics attention with the Zurich Classic prom photos of 2017. That's what. What do you think about that, Pat? You you like it, don't you? You're enjoying this. No, I love it. I mean, again, you're you're exactly right. I mean, this is. The whole like getting to ask your partner and like I, I almost want, wish we could get some stories behind like how this happened. Like certain now, we did actually we were playing with Will Wilcox a, a couple weeks ago out at Sage Valley and he gave us the, the lowdown of how he became partners with. Uh, That's right, with Freddie Jacobson. Freddie Jacobson, which was kind of random, kind of a good story, but uh, you know it's just it, it's it's interesting. Now there's a lot of college related stuff right like we talked about um you have for instance jay you know john peterson and andrew lute lsu guys you have kazire and duffner auburn guys you have um the stupid pairing of billy horschel and matt every gators um it's just it's kind of funny it seems like most of the pairings were, were college related or at least some of the bigger name ones, but I don't know. We'll see. But I like it. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. I, I cannot wait to watch it um, and just see see how this turns out. You know, you got kind of a if you watch the senior tour last weekend with the Bass Pro Shops tournament, that was a team event. And I don't know if they get to pick their partners or not, but it was actually pretty fun to watch. I watched it on Sunday. And nothing else. That is a fun. That do. is a fun event. I watch yeah. that. I watch that every year. It's uh, it's a good time. Yeah, you've definitely got some good pairings. I mean, there are a lot of really crappy pairings at the same time. I mean, the the Billy Horschel Matt every pairing basically assures that the team Florida Gators it ain't winning a thing. Um, that that just ain't happening. You've got Brooks Kepka kindly choosing his brother, which you know Brooks is in better form right now. But let's be honest. I don't. I, we'll all be really shocked if Brooks and Chase Kepka, you know, shut it down. Um, 
that that would be interesting. Uh, you know, your your big pairings are Jason Day and Fowler, Rose and Stenson. I mean, even Jordan Spieth screwed himself and went with a fellow Texan and Ryan Palmer, who did show a little <laughs> flash of form. Showed a little flash of form here at, at Valero, but I still think just ridiculous you got Bubba Watson and JB Holmes I mean Bubba played okay there at the Shenzhen uh tournament over there in China so maybe he found a little form they might could they might could contend the Matsuyama Tanihara pairing could be interesting um you know the Daniel Berger Thomas Peters pairing I like that one I like that Uh, one a lot the Keegan Bradley Brendan Steele pairing that that that's going to go to uh, worst ugliest golf swings on tour pairing right there both yeah. of those yeah uh, um, you've got the Mormon the Mormon invasion of Tony Finau and Daniel Summerhays um, I don't know that Tony Finau is Mormon but I know he, I know he's from Utah so. I mean, <laughs> I, was about to say, I was like, wait a second, I didn't know he was. Now, now, Brandon Grace, Louis Oosthuizen could be could be interesting with Grace coming into form here recently. That that could be one. Um, you know, what about the the <sighs> Bryson DeChambeau, ooh, ooh. Rory Sabatini? What theory. a group that'll be. That that is going to be a group. I wonder if they've even ever. I feel like those guys, prob those guys probably aren't even friends. Like no, that's the we. I, I don't even understand that. Like, how did that conversation <gasps> go down? Oh my god, dude! I just saw a pairing. I cannot believe is real. There's no way. There's something going on. Chris Kirk. Do you know who he's paired with? Uh, is he with a Gator? No, he's with another Bulldog. Um, oh my God, Chris Kirk, who's a bulldog who has the higher priority. So he, he, he gets to like, he's probably the one that picked his partner has chosen Brendan Todd. Oh, I had, I saw that. Brendan Todd. Is he even like, what's he, he can't break 80 on any golf course. Like put him on, put him. Put him on a municipal course. He can't break eighty. See, this is where this is where I don't understand. Like these guys hey, get emotional. Do you want to win? Yeah. Like, do, I just what are you there win. for? Yeah. Oh yeah. Let me invite my bro, who I was bros with in college, and had one good year on tour, and now can't break eighty. Like seriously, cannot break eighty. Brandon Todd is screwed. His golf game is screwed. Well, maybe maybe Chris is just trying to help him out. That's like a worse pick like- than picking your brother and Chase Kepka. Good they should God. call this the 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 charity invitational. Wow! And then you've got you know boring as all get out groups like Malnati and Mark Wilson, Ben <laughs> Ben Martin. You got the the Bens, Ben Martin and Ben Crane, Troy Merritt and Robert Streb, Brian That's Stewart and Chris Stroud. Like, how do those guys pair up? Because I get I get those guys confused all the time. It's like they know that I get them confused, so they just paired up. Um, Justin Thomas and Bud Colley. That that could be a good one with Bud playing better. Uh, I think that's that, a that could be a, one. that could be a, an under the radar play there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, Byung Hun An, Kevin Chapel, Gary Woodland. I think that's a good one. I think that could be a good pairing. Um, how did Love Mark and Luke Donald connect? Like that strikes me as an odd couple there. Um, you've got the Canadians, David Hearn and Graham Dillette. Shout out to our Canadian friends. 
Uh, who else? The Shesticle and Lucas Glover. They're together. Yeah, mm. I like that one. Spencer Levine and Rocco Mediate. <laughs> Rocco Mediate. What? Is Rocco Mediate like his, his drug dealer? What is going on? Jonas just... Blix is playing with Cam Smith. Poor Cam. That sucks for him. Um, our boy John Peterson playing with fellow LSU grad Andrew Loop. Okay, that could be a fun. That could be a fun group. Likely short lived, but fun. Got uh, Grayson Murray and Cameron Percy. I guess Cameron's the only guy he could find on tour to to play with him. Kelly Craft is playing with your boy Kevin Tway. Which I don't know if you know this, but Kevin Tway is Bob Tway's son. What is yeah. he really? Yeah. Um, Dominic Bazelli and our boy JT Poston, a couple web.com guys. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's this is I scroll through the list. I just wanted to to work through that with everybody. Might have bored you. Sorry. No. By the way, if you're looking at some some kind of funny tweets, Danny Lee has a few. Playing with David Lingmurth, uh, I think we mentioned that, but there's a couple funny ones he's come out with tonight. So that could be a good that could be a good one to watch. Way to go, Danny Lee! I don't think so. All right, um, let's get into enough about the Zurich. Just watch; it'll be fun. We're having a good time on Twitter and Instagram and all that with these pictures. So just retweet those; we'd appreciate it. Let's get into some DFS basics, Pat. Um. We've had a couple people, like I said, we've had a couple people email us, a couple people tweet us and such, asking about, you know, what do these terms mean? Can you elaborate on what you mean when you say this? And I think a lot of it is jargon in the DFS world, and some of it is also crap that we say that people don't understand, or if, like, you you know, if, like, you haven't listened for a long time, then maybe you don't know, like, the inside joke or, you know, what it means when Pat says something that's great fantastic you know like we that's kind of a joke um so there's little things like that so i think we should just let's just let's just free you know free wheel this and just throw out some some stuff okay okay just throw out some terms dfs for the for for the the very very novice player daily fantasy sports that's what that stands for um if we say we're gonna fade a player okay Fade a player. That means we are going to avoid that player or that that um, that price range or whatever. We're going to fade that. That means we're not going to mess with it. We're not going to play it. Or sometimes we might talk about how we're going to not. We, we may not completely fade a player, which means like we might have some exposure to a player, but we might not have a lot of exposure. By exposure, Pat, what do we mean when we say exposure? And I'm not talking about what you do downtown savannah after you've had a few drinks <laughs> we mean uh, with exposure we mean the per- percentage of our own plays that we're going to have of a certain guy so so for example if for example if i'm going to play a lot of tiger woods this week i'm going to have let's just say i'm going to put them in you know most of my lineups. That's probably around like 75% of my lineups. 60 to 75%. Don't use Tiger Woods. I'm kidding. Okay. So your exposure to him would be around 75%. Correct. Okay. Um, GPP. 
which we talk about all the time, is um, an acronym for Guaranteed Prize Pool. And that's basically a contest where the prize is is guaranteed even if the contest doesn't fill. So, you know, if there's 100,000 people in the GP or 100,000 entries set up for that GPP and only 80,000 people enter, the prizes are going to get paid out in the exact same format. Now, this is regardless of how many of how many um, of how big the contest is. But normally, it kind of gets lumped into we talk about it as kind of larger contest. So that's kind of our our fault, but I mean, you could have a GPP with, you know, 800 people in it, 800 entries in it. You could also have one with 800,000 entries in it. So uh, it, it is, it doesn't really mean the size of the, of the, the entries as much as it does, just that the prize money is guaranteed. The contest will run even if it doesn't fill and the prize structure will remain the same. So, but True. We, we, and that's, and that is where now you bring in another term, which is overlay. Ooh, good one. Good catch, Pat. Good catch. Because, you know, when you're looking at these, especially these huge GPPs, and you see that maybe there's um, just, we'll just throw it, say 25,000 max entries, but you're looking at it and it's getting close to lineup lock and there's only 19,000 entries in it. So that difference there is the overlay. And what that means, because these are guaranteed prize pools, the tournaments are going to run anyway. So if you've, your odds are obviously better if it's not filled. So those are that's something we certainly look for late in the uh, you know in the week. And, and so there there you go, overlay. That's a big one we always talk about. That is a good one. So you would have an overlay of, of around a thousand entries in that example, which means you got free money on the table. So an overlay lately has applied to websites like Fantasy Draft and FanDuel. So you know, sometimes it's a it's it's a matter of new new sites like Fantasy Draft or or new um you know, new PGA offerings like FanDuel, and yeah. it's taken a while for people to get in. So they're setting the contest at a certain number, and that you know those people aren't aren't filling it up. So there's overlay opportunity there for sure. It's hard to find overlay on DraftKings with PGA, but um, but FanDuel and Fantasy Draft you can find it, and when you find it, take advantage of it. So um, that that is a key in, in when you're looking at like you know uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, early before it gets going. That's uh, that's something to look at. Um, what's what's uh, what's some more here? What's some more here, Pat? So, well, you know, you heard in the you heard in the Roger Casey interview, cash. So, if we say a cash game versus a GPP, that's really all we normally talk about. I think Roger defined it well and kind of saying like we're somewhere around forty-two to forty-four percent, up to fifty percent of the entrants are paid on that contest he he basically is saying is a cash game so you know your your upside is not quite as as high as a gpp contest but your um but obviously you're you're more likely to win actual dollars you know you're actually you're, you're more likely to have a green screen so um so that's kind of a cash game and then you've got your gpps which we said um which we said earlier, those are the the two distinctions there. If you if you ask me, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah. What about our own terminology? Like like you mentioned, great, fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of so new listeners out there. 
I don't even know which well, I don't episode. Th- I, don't, of- I don't think we've quite hit on all the other terminology yet, though. Oh, so you want to go? Okay. Well, you know, like we'll we had, we had we had one listener ask us what chalky meant. You know, they they asked us that last week. So, why don't you describe what chalky means? So the chalk play is, and you, we we talk about this. Well, at least I do. When you're looking at like, let's just say, the NCAA tournament, the chalk play are the higher seeds. They're they're the the the, the you know the teams in the NCAA tournament that you would expect to move on. So that's the best way I could describe it. It's the same way with golf. If you're looking at the the chalk plays, those are the guys that you can just you know basically you think are going to be higher owned that obviously that have a better percentage of probably making it through the cut line and uh finishing well so chalk are just kind of the the bigger name people the bigger name plays um just like in basketball the bigger name teams like your kansas's your dukes your kentucky's that that's what that's the chalk play. But it doesn't have to be a big name. I mean, you could have. No, it doesn't have to be a big name. It depends on the week. I mean, if you're looking at a week like, um, well, you just look at like last week. I mean, the chalk plays are like Charlie Hoffman was was a chalk play. I mean, a guy that's been talked up a lot has good course history. He was a uh, past champion there. Uh, has played well recently. I think Charlie Hoffman was a good chalk play. Or, and then you can look at the value area where there's some guys like. Um, Actually, I have say I have, Luke. I was just about to say I have a great example on this, and let me let me educate the listeners here too. Luke List, who you were just about to say, right? Yes. Okay, so we record the show on Monday night. We do not listen to or or any of that stuff. We don't listen to other podcasts before we record. Now we do listen to other podcasts after. We enjoy listening to Pat Mayo, that guy. He's great. But like we don't listen to any beforehand. We record on Monday night and we, we give you what what we give you. Well last week we said Luke List was was a value. He's a potential bounce back, you know, he didn't play well at the Heritage. This this kind of suited his game. He was one of our five that missed the cut last week. However, by Wednesday night, when I did the XM show, which we have, we have Rotor Grinders XM show Wednesday night, 7 8 p.m., Sears Channel 210, XM 87. And by Wednesday night, I'm, I'm hearing that Luke List is getting talked up everywhere, all over the place. So by Wednesday night, we get to Luke List, and I'm like, you know, Luke List is a chalky play right now, which which means like now he's been talked up by so many talking heads and all these people are on him. And and it's a little scarier for a guy like Luke List to be chalky coming off of a missed cut, you know, not in not showing great form even though I felt like the course was better suited to his game, but I said on Wednesday night on the XM show, I think I'm actually lowering my exposure to Luke List because he's now chalky. And and for a guy who's for a guy who's kind of that risky anyway, just by nature. I mean, he's Luke List, which he's a good player. He's had a good year, but he's not he's not a he's not a Phil. He's not a Jordan Spieth. He's not a Brendan Steele. Even he's not like a cut making machine. For a guy like that to be chalky, I'd almost rather fade at that point. So going back to Faye, like meaning like lower my exposure or not play at all just because he's a risky chalk play. And there's a difference between a risky chalk play and a chalk play that you just have to, you just, you just need to play like, you know, like Jordan Spieth at Augusta National. Like he's a chalk play at Augusta National, but you can't avoid Jordan Spieth at the Augusta National. He's just that good. So 
there is a difference there, and things can change from Monday night to Wednesday night. So it's another reason why you should listen to that show, and you should get in the shot in the arm on Rotor Grinders. Then you can get in the chat room on Wednesday night, and me and Pat can tell you if we've changed our minds on anything. So, um, I think the opposite of chalk would be contrarian, right? So if we ever say, like, you know, he's a, he's a good contrarian play, like, we're just meaning he's a guy who right now we don't think is going to be very popular. We don't think his ownership percentage is going to be very high. And fits for whatever reason and we think he could separate your lineups Uh, another word for that would be like a pivot play Uh, so that would be you know take luke list for example last week who was the pivot play around him you know who's a guy in that same price range maybe a hundred dollars more hundred dollars less or the same right there around luke list where everybody's going to be picking luke list and you can pivot and take somebody just just under or just above him and separate yourself because people are spending their dollars on Luke List. So the pivot play would be whoever that other player is. Um, so that's another another DFS definition. If you hear us say he might be a good pivot play, that's what that is. Um, can you think of anything else there, there Pat? Uh, no. I think that's it. So what, what, are our, what are our own words that we use? I don't really... I mean, I can't really think of a lot. I mean, you normally say the most wacky stuff. Like great fantastic. Yeah, great fantastic, which I think was our was like our first year doing this and Pat was like, "I mean, he's just he's just a he's just a great fantastic play." And I was like, "I'm sorry, did you say great fantastic right after each other?" <laughs> so, so I just made fun of him. Which means he's He's very high up on the list. Which for means, me. yeah, which means Pat really likes. And it. if you go into the shot in the arm, we now have the great Fantastic Four, which means that those are the four guys that you and I both are extremely high on that week. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I can't think of. I mean, I can't think of many others. Dry spell, which is now over. We were basically referring to, you know, Pat's. Love life. There's got to be something else. We've always got little terms that we say for for players. Well, we say okay, studs and duds. That's basically another word, another term. That's like our thing for stars and scrubs or whatever everybody else calls it. So that's pretty self-explanatory. That's when you play the studs at the top, and the and you know you find some value down at the very bottom. So studs and duds. Um, as opposed to a balanced lineup where you're picking more out of players in that mid-range, that 7 to 9K range where it's more of a balanced lineup. Hmm. True, which, which we talked about with Roger. We talked about Roger, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What else? So, uh, this is when I wish we had callers. We could have somebody call oh, yeah. in and that say, hey, let me have this, let me, you know, tell me about this. Well, I've answered all the questions that we've been getting tweets about and emails about lately about terminology. So, hey, we had an e- we did have a tweet though asking us about Golby. Oh, that's right. That's a way to go for a forty year old. That's a sharp, sharp memory. Yeah. So, so I think we should talk about let's let's talk about let's 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 talk about ourselves for a second and tour junkies. This is where everybody's going to turn off the podcast. Yeah, they're going to turn it off. But, you know, if you got I think people need to hear the story well, on why we Here's the thing. We do what we do. It's kind of a it's kind of a tribal thing. You know what I mean? Like 
It's tribal knowledge. It's the reason right now that we don't have like an about Golby page on our website, right? Because then it's it's a, it's the it's www right World Wide Web. Okay, we don't want the whole world to know about Golby. Like this, this is a tribal knowledge deal. It's like you know about Golby because you're a loyal follower of Tour Junkies, and it and that's how you know. Okay. So this is this is highly classified information to only those of you who actually take the time to listen to this ridiculous podcast on your commute, which we appreciate. Um, but Pat, first of all, why don't you tell the people what Golby is and what he's not? All right, so uh, all you people out there that just like look at Golby and pay attention to what he is. Get pissed he off right is now, Pat. A, what? Get pissed off right now. He's a freaking squirrel. <laughs> and he looks like a squirrel. I don't know. I mean, squirrels have teeth just like he does. It's not a beaver. <laughs> it's not a gopher. Look, we're not like tradition. Like, yeah, we I, look. I know that gopher, caddyshack, whatever. <laughs> Overplayed. Overcooked. It's just overplayed. Yeah. We're not... Look, if you think that that's what we're going with, come on. <laughs> I mean, we're the freaking tour junkies. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a squirrel. And squirrels have teeth that stick out like that, buck teeth like that. And it's a blind squirrel. Look, look at the freaking <laughs> blindfold on the squirrel. And what's the old saying? You know, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. That that's that's it. It's kind of like dry spells when they end. A blind squirrel blind finds squirrel a nut. Gets his nut every now. And then. Yeah. So I mean, there it is, right there. It's not a donkey. Dude, we have actually had someone say it was a donkey. Ask if it was a donkey. We've had chipmunk. Yeah, so- we've had gerbil. We've had. Uh, Definitely had gopher a lot, beaver a lot, donkey once, which is just absurd. Um, just it, we've had all everything, and, and at this point, it's humorous to us, and we're just leaving it as is to confuse the hell out of people. And the only people who are going to know that it's really a squirrel are the people who freaking care about tour junkies, and that's you if you're still listening. Okay, we appreciate it. Um, but this is tribal knowledge. It's a squirrel, and it's based off the saying, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, which is exactly what fantasy sports is all about, right? Like, we can, we can, that's what our show's about, man. We can critique the crap out of this. There, there are statistics out the wazoo for the PGA Tour for every shot, for every putt, for every whatever. We could research this till we're blue in the face. We can put together algorithms. We can put together spreadsheets. We can do all this stuff. And at the end of the day, it's freaking golf. And if you've played golf and you've watched golf, you know that it is a hard game to predict. And at the end of the day, yes, there are people who predict more often than others, and they're right. But a lot of times you're the blind squirrel finding the nut and that's what we're here to try to do we're trying to help you find your nut on daily fantasy like that listener who tweeted us raul and just won 50 grand blind squirrel found nut thus golby that's 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 where that's where the idea of the blind squirrel came and we wanted we wanted a mascot we wanted a spirit animal that represented the tour junkies more than just you know a tj like listen Everybody does a freaking first initial, last initial logo now, right? Like, 
How many of those are on the PGA Tour right now? Jordan, yeah, they're everywhere. Jordan now. Spieth has one. Brooks Kepka has one. DJ has one. Who else? I mean, there's like everyone has one. Like we get that. Like, We've had Billy Horschel. Billy Ho has his. his now. Um, freaking, they're they're everywhere. Like a TJ is easy, which we did. I saw which one on Brandon Grace's hat. Brandon Grace <laughs> has one. Day. Who cares yeah, about the like, pudgy South African? Nobody cares. So we could do the TJ thing and like interlock the T and the J. Bull, okay? We give you a spirit animal, a freaking blind squirrel, a mascot. He looks like a minor league baseball team's mascot. It's crazy. It's out there. It represents who we are. It represents what we do. So just know that that's what it is. So when you buy some swag and you're rocking that Golby head cover with squirrel fur on the blindfold and you're just looking like a boss on your local golf course that's what you're repping okay and when that douche lord asks you well you got a squirrel on your head cover you can just say hey you know what forget you man and walk off um if you if you guys haven't noticed we we also received some tweets last week about pat's foul mouth and a guy having his kid listen in the car and asking what a word meant so we're trying to we're trying to censor this a little bit it, Wait, did I? You said freaking like eight times tonight, which is great. <laughs> did I really? Yeah. Yeah, you censored it. Okay. It's going well. It's going well. Good. Good deal. All right, so, so that's, that's why we have the squirrel. But now we have to define the name. Like, like what is Golby about? Pat, do you want to do that? Yeah, I'd love to. So Golby, again, Bob Golby... And we've talked about this before, but you know, for all the new listeners out there, uh, he it's 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 a perfect situation for Golby the mascot because Bob Golby won the Masters, and you always tell me the year because I always forget it. What was it? Nineteen sixty-five. I think it's sixty-eight. So he won the Masters, and it was on a complete technicality because. Roberto DiVicenzo mm. signed an incorrect scorecard. And so then Bob Golby lucked into his master's win. And so, again, it just it goes along with the luck theme of, of what we talk about and what, again, what it's what fantasy is in general and, and gambling or whatever you may call it. So, uh, so no. that's, that's sort of... Yeah. Now, now, obviously, Bob Golby had a lot of skill involved too, right? Like, enough, no, he was a good guy. Yeah, there's yeah, some skill. N- enough yeah. skill to play in the Masters and be tied for the lead, walking off the course on Sunday. But got a little lucky in that DiVincenzo signed the wrong scorecard. He gets a penalty. Bob Golby wins and doesn't have to play in the playoff. Now, the next day, in in those days, they had an 18 hole playoff. The following day, the next day, he may well have gone out there on Monday and beat you know beat DiVincenzo's tail. But that's not what happened. He, he, he got a green jacket on a little bit of luck. He didn't have to play that extra 18 holes. So Bob Golby is our guy, and it happened at the Masters, which is our hometown. It's where we're, where we're born and raised, where tour junkies began. It's perfect, right? The other thing is Bob Golby was a character, y'all. If you, if you look yeah, up Bob Golby, he was a character on tour. Like, guys... Guys had opinions about Bob Golby. He he was not the soft spoken, you know, Ben Crane of the PGA Tour or what Ben Martin or whatever. He, he he's he he was a character. He also had um I've seen a couple of tour players back in that day say that 
that Bob Golby, when he had the hooks off the tee, like when, when he just couldn't get his timing right and he had the hooks, it was the ugliest snap hook of any golf golfer in the world. Like that it was horrific, like catastrophic hooks, which is just, it just <laughs> makes it even better because he, he was real, right? The dude was real. He wasn't a robot out there striping everything down the fairway. He was real. He was emotional. He was a cool player, cool dude, still alive as well. I believe he lives in Missouri or Indiana or something. Um, old, older guy. Uh, born in 1929, so he's he's a he's an old fella. But we appreciate Bob Golby, and so that's why his name is Golby. So now you know. Now you can more proudly rock some Golby gear from the shop, and you know what you're wearing. You can you can you can you can rep it. So there you go. <sighs> All right, I think uh, I think that's good. I think that gets it. You got anything else, Pat? Anything else? I, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm I'm good. I mean, I'm excited about what we have left to release on the prom photos. Mm, y'all, the prom photos are going to be blazing hot. Blazing hot. Yeah. Help us spread the word. Retweet them, Instagram, like, all that stuff, Facebook, whatever. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Um, we'll be back next week. Now, you know... Uh, I will say in May, we're going to have a show where I will not be involved. should be a lot of fun. I'm not going to tell you who the sit-in substitute is, but it will be a very good substitute. And Pat will be on the show, and um, he'll, he'll continue to, to do his thing. But we're going to have a substitute for me. I'm going to go on my 10-year wedding anniversary trip to Jamaica. should be a lot of fun. Nice. And I will have a sub there, so that'll be, that'll be a good time. That's later on in May. We've got some other guests we're trying to line up here for you, so stay tuned on that. Um, hey, Thursday, I'm playing Chambers Bay. That's pretty cool. Side of the 2015 U.S. Open. I'm playing that Thursday, this Thursday. So uh, I'll be up in the Seattle area. I'm going to play with a, a loyal listener of the Tour Junkies podcast, Pig. He knows who he is, old Tom Kennedy. He's going to play with me. Uh, he got me on at Chambers. We're going to play with Hickory's, Hickory Clubs, Pat. Clubs that they that that you probably grew up playing. Remember those before, like um, metal and graphite and iron yeah. and all that. Yeah, um, hickory shafted clubs. I'm going to do that. That that should be really great. It's going to be rainy, windy on a U.S. Open course playing hickories. I will likely not break 120. Is my guess. So that should be fun. But at least I'll be able to say I played. I played Chambers Bay, a U.S. Open venue with hickories. So I'm excited about that. I I think that we need some periscoping of this. I will do my best. Yeah, I'm going to try to periscope. I feel that. like you're going to shank a few shots off oh, the hickories. Easy to do. Easy to do. Yeah. Um, I've never hit a hickory, but I've heard it's easy to do. I will definitely periscope some of that if I can. We're walking. It's a walking-only golf course, so we'll have caddies, which is awesome. No, we won't have caddies. I think I have a push cart. Tom's going to give me a push cart. He asked me if I wanted to push carry cart. my bag, but I'm like, dude, no. I am I am pushing I'm push carting it all day long. So Can do they have like containers for alcohol in those things? Like if you want to put like some beers? Yeah, it's called my zipper pockets on on the uh, bag he gives me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm already playing I'm already at a at a you know, I'm already at a disadvantage with elements and equipment. I don't need I don't need further disadvantages. You know how I play when I'm doing that. So, 
Okay. Well. All right. You and I are different. We are. Yes, we are in many ways. That is just one of them. Thanks, everybody, for putting up with our foolishness this week. We appreciate you guys sticking around and listening to the Tour Junkies podcast. Is there a classic week? Should be a lot of fun. Hope you guys have a great week. You're not going to have green screens because there's no DFS. So, hope you guys do other things well. And if you're in a dry spell, don't forget, you can call for help. 706-6-ADDICT. Pat is standing by to give you personal experience and advice. It'll change your life. See ya! Out! Only Ellen, Michael Strahan. Plus, a little cruise ship dancer taking over social media. People were coming up to me and asking me for autographs. It was kind of awkward. But... Right, well, it's going to be more awkward now. Ellen, today at 3 on NBC4. Imagine moving into a new home and hearing scratching, screeching every night. Inside the walls, hundreds of bats. They just took over that. I had no idea. Warning signs something could be lurking in your home. Today at 5 on NBC4.